Well, good morning, everyone. So glad to be with you today as we uh, kind of wrap up our series on the second coming. This is our fourth installment in this. And um, today we're talking about uh, kind of the uh, some of the signs that will come right before Jesus comes. And what will the world be like at that time? And um, they're going to all be all kinds of signs. I remember when my when I was um, growing up on a farm in Kansas, my dad was one of those guys, he read the Farmer's Almanac. My dad was just a farmer. He could have grown wheat on this tabletop right here. Um, he could just grow things. Me, I have plastic plants in my office. Different story. Anyway, uh, but the idea is that uh, my dad would know the signs. We'd, uh, if there'd be um, a storm coming, I mean, he knew it. And sometimes he'd even tell me, John, we if we get finished with the chores here this morning, you need to go get that equipment and get it put up because this storm's coming. I go, Dad, we watched the news last night, and they said that rain wasn't coming until tomorrow. And he go, yeah, they're wrong. Go put this up. And I go, well, how do you know? And he go, you remember this morning we got up to milk the cows, the rings around the moon? You saw it? And that could tell you what time we got up, too, by the way. When you can see rings around the moon, it's before noon. Okay, anyway. Uh, you know, and I'd be like, okay. And man, I would no sooner get that stuff put up and the whole sky would be black and it would be pouring down rain, storming. How do you know? Well, he knew because he knew the signs. And this whole series, we've been talking about some things that are told us in the Bible so that we can be forewarned. So we know, hey, we need to be busy. I mean, it was time to put up the equipment. That wasn't the time. Chill out. Go put it up. The storm's coming. You can see it. Signs are in the sky. And if you understand that, then you understand the motivation behind this whole series is a motivation for you and me to say, hey, I need to be making the most of my time. I don't need to be complacent. So if you'd like God to use you and me to use our church in a powerful way to bring the good news of Jesus into people's lives, then pray with me right now because this is our time. We're alive now, and we need to make the most of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for my dad. And Lord, he taught me a lot about just knowing what to look for. If there are signs you can see, then you need to respond accordingly. And Lord, today as we look at some of the signs of your second coming that you yourself told us about, Lord, well then, well then we need to be ready. We need to be making the most of our time. We need to be thinking through our priorities in light of your word. And so God, I pray that today you'll speak Move me out of the way. And Lord, you'd rid us of any kind of complacency. We'd be excited about the opportunities you have for us today, tomorrow, this week, right now. And God, I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Inside your bulletin you'll find an outline just with the two words at the top, great tribulation, which means great trouble. And that's one of the things that Jesus said would come at the end of the world as we know it. Well, point one says Jesus gave his disciples a few signs to indicate when his second coming is near. When One day when he was talking to his disciples, according to Matthew 24, here's what happened. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And so today I just want to hit a few of the things that Jesus shared there in that chapter in Matthew 24. First of all, he told them that wars and famines and natural disasters would come, but they would come like birth pains, like birth pains. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, 
claiming I'm the Christ, and they'll deceive many. And we talked about that last week when we talked about the Antichrist. There's plenty. If you go back and read last week's, listen to last week's message, you'll hear a lot more about that. And they'll deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that none of you, that you're not alarmed, because such things must happen, but the end is still to come. The nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom will rise up against kingdom, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. And so there's a note there in your outline that explains this, that birth pains dramatically increase in frequency and intensity just before a baby is born. I asked my wife if I got that right, and she said, oh yeah, you got that right. And so if I'm going to draw out a chart, and again, I looked online, and there were all kinds of charts that kind of illustrated this that people had as you went um, in the time of labor and other things, that birth pains or the contractions would start small, but as the birth got nearer, then the the contractions would increase both in frequency and in intensity. My wife said I needed one that went way up here, okay? And she said, you'll know. I, I said, am I getting that right? She goes, oh yeah, that's what that looks like. And so Jesus was telling his disciples, look, there are always going to be people that will say, ah, Jesus isn't coming back. I mean, because every time there's a war or a great famine or a big flood, people go, is this the end of the world? Is this the end of the world? And Jesus said, well, look, all these things are going to come. The time when you know that it's getting really near is when these things are just right on top of each other and extremely intense all over the world. Now, people ask me all the time, well, John, do you think we're living in uh, the last times and other things? And I just, uh, yesterday, I, I uh, sent Tommy a picture, if we could get that graph put up here. Um, this is a chart that was put on the, the inter- internet just this last year, in the last few months, actually, by two people, Hanny, Hannah Ritchie and Max Roser, and they published a report called Natural Disasters. It's at a website called World, ourworldindata.org, and they took a collection of all the recorded floods, um, this is from an international disaster database, and they put all these things together and they plotted them. And this is the graph for all the natural disasters from 1900 to 2018. And if you take these two and put them side by side, they don't look that different. And so Jesus said, hey, when you see things happening like birth pains, then you should know that things are getting close. And we're going to read some other scriptures that will talk about this some more, but it's terribly important that we understand this and that when God gives us a warning, it's just like when my dad said, hey, that storm's coming, you put the equipment up. Peter talked about this, and this is our life application here. since we know this now, we need to do all we can to tell others about Jesus while we still have the time. I want to remind you, Peter said, that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires, and they'll say, hey, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same since the world was first created. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And Peter said, look, and Peter was there when Jesus told him about the birth pains. Jesus was there when he explained 
that he was coming again when everything in heaven would be ready and there would be a, a time of great falling away. Peter heard all that. And he said, now look, when this comes and when the Lord has delayed his coming, look at it as a bonus. We get to tell more people. You're going to see that Paul had the same attitude when we look at these scriptures too. It wasn't a reason to go and hide. It was a reason to stand up strong in our faith and say, hey, if Jesus is coming soon, well, this is my opportunity to tell my friends and my family and for me to stand strong in my faith so that God can use me as a witness. Paul said he, would do, he tried to find common ground with everyone so that he might save some. And this is the attitude the Lord wants us to have. It's my desire today that that's what you hear. I'm not trying to scare everybody to death here today. I am trying to tell us that, hey, if we only have a few years left in this world, if the Lord was to come back five years from now, if the Lord was to come back five months from now, how would we be spending our time? And since we're not guaranteed of knowing when that will happen, since we're guaranteed we won't know when that's going to happen, and since we don't even know how long we need to live, then we need to adjust our priorities accordingly. That brings us to point B. Jesus also said, so not only did he say that wars, famines, and natural disasters will occur like birth pains, he also said, here's a sign of the end, that followers of Jesus will be persecuted because of their faith. He said, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Remember, they hadn't even gone out into all the world yet. So this is a prophecy of things yet to come. And it's real important that we understand this, and you flip your outline open, and there's a note there that's really important. That suffering for Christ is normal for believers and should be expected. I didn't have room in this outline to put all the different scriptures that would indicate that if we're going to stand up for Christ, then we're going to have to expect rejection and suffering because of that. But here are a couple of them. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul's writing to Timothy, everyone who wants to, be God, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 1 Peter 4, so that was Paul, here's Peter. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Now, I shared this with people before, and they go, well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 mean, is that, I, mean, I know that there are people that in other parts of the world that suffer for Christ, but um, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to undergo any kind of persecution. Well, I just want to remind us, here are a couple of, I just made a list of some types of persecution. When I stand up for Christ, if you and I um, give glory to God and we tell people about our faith in Christ, I mean, we can expect some things. In your life and in mine, you and I can expect loss of respect. I mean, this happened to me when I became, when I gave my heart to Christ in college, when I became a Christian. Then that cost me respect of some of my drinking buddies. I didn't go out and drink with them anymore. In fact, I invited them to Bible studies. And man, when they discovered that John got religion, is how they put it, they didn't want to have anything to do with me, and that cost me relationships. Now, I made new friends, wonderful friends, but I would tell you that hurt. And they laughed at me sometimes. And they made fun of me. Oh, there goes John. You head to Bible study? Well, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. But what was interesting was when they would have a problem or a concern, they'd come to me privately and go, hey, can I talk to you? Because you seem like you got some answers. Sure. And I'd tell them about what I'd learned and what the Lord had shown me. 
No, it doesn't stop there, though. We can lose respect. We can lose relationships. When a culture turns against the teachings of the Bible and against what Christ came to do in this world, well, that can cost Christians their rights, their freedom, their property. Man, you go to places like Afghanistan or North Korea, my goodness, or Libya, these things are common. I mean, people can expect to be terrorized for their faith in Christ. It could cost you a career and a job. cost you health. Like in North Korea, if you are found having a worship service in your home, I mean, because you're supposed to worship the dictator, the Kim family. I mean, they are worshipped as deities in North Korea. And if you're worshiping Jesus, you could be sent off to a, basically a concentration camp, and you'd die there, even cost you your life. And so I want you to know that all these things are kind of on an increasing or decreasing scale of uh, things or or an increasing scale of of suffering. But the idea here is that these things should be normal for us, that if we stand for Christ in a culture where things are going the wrong way, we should expect that people aren't going to go with us. I mean, if everyone is going the wrong way and you stand up and say, hey, that's the wrong way, this is the right way, some people are going to be deeply offended. And if nobody's ever offended by our Christian life, I mean, what does that say about us? I mean, the ultimate experience of this in my life where I was really challenged in this was a few years ago. I guess it's about 12, 13 years ago now. I was in Southeast Asia, in a country in Southeast Asia, and I actually got to be a part of an underground church meeting. I was taken, I was blindfolded, put in a car. I mean, this is right out of some kind of novel or something. They drove me to this meeting that started at 1 in the morning and ran for three hours. And then they asked me to come and teach some things out of the Bible that I knew. And um, they had a translator there for me. And there was a room with 40 or 50 people. I have no idea where we were. Middle of the night and other things. And so I taught this lesson and then we went back to a hotel, and I was just bone-weary, tired. And these people all went to work the next day. And um, I said, well, what are these people there for? Why are you meeting with these people in the middle of the night? And he goes, oh, we're training these people to be missionaries. Where? In Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, places like that. They're going to go and open up businesses, restaurants, you know, um, cleaning services, whatever their skills are. And I talked to the guy, and I said, well, don't you know they could be killed for that? And they go, and they go, yeah. I mean, they could be imprisoned and beaten. And he said, well, you know, and the, the guy, he laughed. He talked to me, he said, why do you think we're meeting at 2 o'clock in the morning here? That happens where we are now. And then he said something that was most disturbing. He said, look, we're going, we're sending these missionaries into places where people like you can't go. An American like you can't go. They won't let you in. But secondly, Americans like you won't go because you're not willing to part with your stuff. I mean, no offense. But you're not willing to sacrifice. I mean, that was deeply troubling to me. There are Christians in other parts of the world. They're going there and they said, well, how will these people, and what was driving them, they said, how will people in Afghanistan hear unless unless someone tells them about Jesus. How are they going to know the good news if no one goes and lives it out in front of them and proves to them that Jesus is real? How are they going to know? They're willing to go. They're going. 
They were going right now. Now, I want to remind us, if you and I lose respect, if you and I have people make fun of us, anything we suffer because of our faith in the Lord, listen to this, that God will bless and reward us if we suffer for his sake. He'll reward us. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what's right in the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. If you and I stand for what's right, we may well live in a family where we have in-laws that no longer want to talk to us. We may well work in a place of business where if you share your faith with someone, they may not want to speak to you anymore. And they may warn other people, stay away from you. And as I said, as our culture goes farther and farther away from the teachings of the Bible, well, that means we're going to stand out more and more. And Jesus said, hey, there will be a, a time at the end of the world. Lots of false prophets are going to come. All these things are going to happen. And when it gets real extreme, it's going to be global. And God's people are going to have to stand up. And so even as we're ramping up toward the end, that's going to happen. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. A few weeks ago, I talked about the importance of sharing our faith in light of Jesus returning. And I reminded all of us that um, we don't have to win. When we share our faith, I don't have to win the argument. I talked to someone that um, on their way out of here on a Sunday morning, they'd, I'd ask them how I could pray for them and sharing their faith that week. And they said, well, just, you know, I, I don't know if I can do that because they're really smart people that work in my office, and every time I share my faith, I feel stupid. And I said, well, you don't have to win. And I went, what? And I go, you just have to be faithful because there's so many times when I've shared my faith with people in the past where at the time I thought I failed utterly. Like they said, I think you're an idiot and left, which would indicate to me that I had failed, okay? Or they said nothing and walked out. But then Two years later, three years later, one time even 10 years later, a person that I thought had completely rejected everything I said, they said, what you told me has been rattling around in my brain, and i got to come talk to you about this. I can't get it out of my head. And so I don't have to win. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples over and over again, hey, people are going to mock you and persecute you and lie about you. You go ahead and be faithful. I'll take care of the results. And I'll reward you in heaven when you're faithful. You've got to trust me that I'm doing more behind the scenes than you could ever imagine. And so this is an act of faith. So first of all, we need to remember that God blesses and rewards us. Secondly, we also need to pray for Christian brothers and sisters who are suffering for Jesus right now. I mean, one other thing we can do is we can pray for people. I mean, I got on a website for the Baptist Press, and uh, their headline there yesterday was this, 280 Christians were killed in Nigeria in the past six weeks, most of them by an extension of ISIS that's in West Africa. It's known as Boko Haram. They round up Christians and kill them, 280 of them in the last six weeks. You can go to a website. It's on the back. And among the discussion questions, persecution.com. It's the website for Voice of the Martyrs. And you can read about people who are in various situations where they need your prayers right now. They have a whole section on there, how to pray for people undergoing persecution. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1. God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted 
and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. I mean, this is all tied together with Jesus' second coming. He'll come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. And when he comes on that day, he'll receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. This includes you, for you believed what we told you about him. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. And then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you'll be honored along with him. Dear brothers and sisters, we ask that you pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored everywhere it goes, wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. And pray, too, that we'll be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. I mean, it's so interesting when you read about read uh, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, they were in a situation where many of them were suffering for their faith. I mean, they experienced all these things. Lost respect and relationships and rights. Some of them had lost jobs because of their faith in Jesus. And he wrote to them and said, hey, it's okay. When Lord Jesus comes, he'll set everything right. You just be faithful. And what's interesting is, is when you read that paragraph, he didn't say, okay, now Jesus is coming soon, so here's what you got to do. you got to lay low, keep your faith to yourself, keep it quiet, keep it secret, and that way you'll be safe. Just kind of huddle together, have these meetings, don't ruffle any feathers, and that way you'll get along good. Jesus is coming soon, he'll get us out of here, hang tight, see you soon. Use the password. That's not what he said. What he said was, he said, hey, in light of these things, Jesus is coming soon. We have a few days left, so I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do whatever you need to do to get that message out. Oh, and pray for us too, because there's lots of evil people that are trying to stop me. And there were people just like Boko Haram right then. Everywhere Paul went. I mean, Paul himself wrote that sometimes he'd been beaten, sometimes he'd been stoned and left for dead. He'd had wild animals chasing him. He'd been shipwrecked at sea. He'd been imprisoned. All these things. He goes, hey, I'm just doing all I can to tell as many people as I can with whatever days I got left. That's the reason we're doing all this. It's to remind us, hey, we have a purpose why we're here. And it's not just to entertain ourselves and whine and dine ourselves until we die. We're here to be witnesses for Jesus right now, to live godly lives. I mean, that includes doing our best at our jobs. It includes loving our kids and loving our husbands and wives, loving each other. It includes taking care of the poor. It includes praying for people in other parts of the world who are suffering for Jesus right now because there are evil people who want to hurt them. And again, I just recommend that you go to persecution.com and you can figure out how to pray for some people that you'll never meet till you get to heaven, but your prayers matter. So Jesus said, hey, you're going to see that things are going to increase like birth pains. You're also going to see followers persecuted because of their faith. You're also going to see sin rampant everywhere, and many will turn away from God. And there's going to be lots of false prophets. And again, last week we talked about the ultimate false prophet, um, the fake Messiah, the Antichrist. Well, when that comes, I mean, people are going to follow him. Matthew 24, Jesus again, verse 10 And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people, and sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. 2 Timothy 3, Paul warns Timothy about this. 
He says, in the last days, it'll be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what's good. They'll betray their friends. They'll be reckless, puffed up with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. And you go, John, well, that sounds like some of the times in which we live. Well, yeah, that's the idea. I mean, this is true. And by the way, some of these people that are going to be acting religious, those are some of the people that can make this really hard. I mean, if you've got to remember, and I always talk about this too, the types of persecution, the persecution that Paul faced and Peter faced and others faced, that Jesus himself faced, much of that persecution didn't come from unbelievers. The vast majority of it came, I mean, from people who did have no faith in God, let's put it that way, had never even heard of the Bible. A lot of the persecution came from people who knew the scriptures pretty well. In fact, the Pharisees knew it very well. And they were jealous. They were jealous of Jesus, and they were jealous of the disciples. So there could be religious people who can attack us and cause all kinds of problems. They might have PhDs or be ordained. But that doesn't mean they speak truth. And the question is whether or not we're aligning ourselves to what the Scripture teaches. And so I want to make us aware of this. That in the last times, that's part of what's coming. And finally, not only will there be sin rampant everywhere, and many will turn away from God, many, but God's wrath will be poured out, and there will be a great tribulation. When people hear the words great tribulation, there's a period of time coming at the end of the world when God's wrath will be poured out on sinful human beings. When the gospel has gone out all over the world, and the full number of people that have ever going to believe have believed, well, there will be a great pouring out of God's wrath. There will be a greater anguish. This is Jesus in Matthew 24. The greater anguish, or great tribulation here, the greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Immediately after the anguish of these days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then at last the sign of the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be a sign, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he'll send out angels with a mighty blast of the trumpet, and they'll gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And Jesus said that. It's gonna, there will be a time of great trouble. If you want to read more about it, you can go to Revelation 6 and 9 and 16. There's different series of judgments that will come. Lots of descriptions on that. But the idea is there will come a day when people will no longer, their hearts will be so hardened they won't listen anymore. But that's not this day. We have an opportunity this day to live out our faith in front of people. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a chance to warn people and show them what love and forgiveness looks like. I mean, we have a chance to demonstrate our faith in front of our neighbors and friends by the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our kids, 
the way we pray when we get in trouble, the way we're not afraid, the way we can be generous when other people aren't. And they'll go, what's different about you, Jesus? Christ has changed me. And that brings us to the last point in your outline. Jesus expects us, his disciples, us, in that blank, he expects us to be busy carrying out our mission when, when he returns. You and me. To go and make disciples that way. By loving people, praying for them, interceding for them. You also must be ready all the time, Jesus said. This is how he wrapped up that whole chapter about the end times, that whole conversation. He said, you must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected, and a faithful and sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. But I tell you the truth, if the master will put, and I tell you the truth, that master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. But what if that servant is evil and he thinks, oh, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying, getting drunk. Well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he'll cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place for the hypocrites. In that place, he'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I remember there were times when I was teaching my boys responsibility, just like my dad had taught me. And so I'd give them an assignment on a Saturday, and they were to mow grass and trim the hedge, and they were supposed to... Um, pull some weeds and get some chores done around the house. I told them, well, I'm going to go run some errands. When I come back, you know, I'll get you guys some allowance and I'll reward you on all this. Well, um, when I came home, I expected to see those chores done. If I found them inside playing video games, they would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> because I had given them a very clear assignment. I told them I'd be back. They didn't know exactly when. But the idea was not, hey, I'm giving you an assignment, blow it off. Do you know there are people all around us who are dying for hope? They don't have any hope. They want to know if somebody loves them and if they can be forgiven. They are just crushed with all the guilt in their lives. They're afraid of dying. They don't know that through a right relationship with Jesus, we don't have to fear death. We go home to be with him forever. And we've talked about all these things in this series. They don't know this stuff. We have a chance to tell them. We have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, and they are living out their faith. I mentioned that um, one organization, Open Doors USA, that they said there were 11 people that die every day for their faith, Christians that are martyred every day somewhere in the world. Well, I talked with one of their representatives just a year ago. He was in Montgomery. He did a presentation at a church there. I went and heard him. And he was working with Syrian refugees, people leaving Syria, Christians, targeted by ISIS, driven out of their homes, lost everything, showed up in places, just these refugee camps with nothing. And I said, well, what's their desire? And he goes, well, they want to go back. They want to go back? Yeah. He said they want to go back because they're the only Christians in that area. And he said they're always conscious all the time to pray for the ISIS people who persecuted them, who killed their friends. And they're praying that God will give them a chance to tell them about Jesus. I mean, who thinks like that? Jesus said, I want all of you to think like that. Blessed are you when men spit on you. They revile you. They mock you. 
for my sake. Blessed are you. You'll get a great reward in heaven. Love them even if they don't love you. If they slap you on one cheek, turn the other one. If they tell you to carry a heavy load one mile, carry it two. Show them what God's love looks like. I'll take care of the results. You love them because I love them. Tell them about me. Go and make disciples all over the world. And when everything's ready, I'll come back and get you. When you coming, Lord? Well, there are going to be some signs. And when you see that coming, then you know the time's short. And you'd be wise to be busy. I hope today this is just like a wake-up call. I, I know God wants to shake me out of my complacency. To pray more. To constantly look for opportunities to encourage and warn and help people. I think he wants that for all of us. And that's what I'm going to pray for. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, when I read these scriptures, it is sobering. This is frightening at times. It's disturbing. And God, I think you want us to be shaken. Lord, I'm sure that you want us to get a wake-up call. You don't want us to be complacent. You don't want us to be lazy. You don't want us to miss opportunities to tell others the good news. God, I want to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria who are suffering at the hands of Boko Haram. These are wicked and evil people who would seek to kill them. And I pray that you will protect them. And Lord, you will give them safe um, passage away where they can, so they can come back and share their faith in a time when they don't have to be suffering so much. And I thank you for their dedication to pray for those people. Those Christians in Nigeria are praying for these very people who are torturing them. I want to be like that. God, I want to be a witness where I am. And so, God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit because you promised to give us courage. You promised to give us the words to say. You promised to give us love for enemies that we don't love and change the way we think. And, God, I need that too. God, I pray that you will open our eyes. I pray that this week we'll have an opportunity and we'll, we'll see an opportunity and we'll seize it. An opportunity to do good an opportunity to pray, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to share our faith. Please, Lord, and help us encourage each other and pray for each other and remind each other about these things often so we don't get distracted. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.